0: All right, Leviticus chapter 23 is where we're going to reference tonight, if you'd like to open your Bible or navigate on your device, Leviticus 23, our final study on the feasts of Israel, taking a quick look at these. How many of you know what LARPing is? Ever heard of LARPing? A few of you, the younger crowd knows. It stands for live action role play. Live action role play. You know what a historical reenactment is, right? A historical reenactment is an educational or entertainment activity in which people follow a plan to recreate aspects of a historical event or period of time. Civil war reenactments are probably the best known uh, to most people. Somewhere between a historical reenactment and LARPing is the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles. I say that because during its seven days... Jews were to reenact their wilderness living of their ancestors by building and living in temporary structures, and they were to sort of, in that way, live out their previous history. And we find the feast explained to us in Leviticus 23, beginning in verse 33. Let me read it. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles, for seven days to the Lord. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. In other words, it was a Sabbath. For seven days, you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day, you shall have a holy convocation, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly, and you shall do no customary work on it. These are the feasts of the Lord which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. To offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering and a grain offering, a sacrifice and drink offerings, everything on its day. Besides the Sabbaths of the Lord, besides your gifts, besides all your vows, besides all your free will offerings which you will give to the Lord. Also on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm, tree, palm trees, excuse me, the boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So the Hebrew name for tabernacles is sukkah, uh, uh, which is a word that designates a booth or a hut made of leaves or branches. (coughs) The English word is derived from the Latin tabernaculum, where we get our word tabernacle. God told the nation of Israel to live in huts made of branches and leaves for seven days to remember the 40 years that their ancestors were in the wilderness and had to live in temporary structures. Tabernacles is the final calendar feast. As we read, it falls on the 15th of the month. That, uh, it's actually just the seventh month, but it came to be called Tishri. It's five days after Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. The first and the eighth days were Sabbaths, no work was to be done, and Israel was to rest. It was one of the three holidays that all Jewish males were supposed to go to Jerusalem and appear before the temple, uh, before God in the temple. The temple sacrifice for tabernacles during the seven day period was pretty huge. Elsewhere, the Bible says that on the first day, 13 bulls were offered, 14 lambs, two rams, one goat, also meal and drink offerings. On the second day, the number of bulls would be 12, and then it would decrease by one each day of the feast and all the other sacrifices being the same each day. All 24 divisions of the priests shared in the sacrifices during this period. We've explained this before, but just like we have ushers that serve on a rotating basis, we have four groups of four ushers. Uh, the, The priests of Israel served on a rotation. It was sometimes called a course. There were 24 of them, Uh, And so you would serve various times during the year on a rotation. And some of these big festivals like Tabernacles, all the priests uh, and Levites would be there serving at once because there was just so much work that needed to be done. It was during this feast, Tabernacles, that the Shekinah, the glory, filled Solomon's newly built temple at its dedication. You can read about that in 1 Kings 8 and 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Uh, Interestingly, three ceremonies were performed during tabernacles. One was called the water libation. The other was a temple lighting. And the third was uh, Hoshana Rabbah in uh, Hebrew, which means the great Hosanna, I believe. So first of all, the high priest would take a golden pitcher and exit through what was called the water gate, way before our water gate. They had a water gate uh, in Jerusalem. He would make his way to the pool of Siloam to fill up the pitcher He would be accompanied by a procession of music and worship. He'd return via that gate to the court of the priests where the altar was located. As he entered, three blasts of the silver trumpets sounded from the temple. And then the priest would quote Isaiah 12.3, which reads, Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. He would then ascend the altar and pour out the water libation. While he did this, another priest would pour out wine as specified in the law. And the choir of Levites sang the Hallel Psalms, which are Psalms 113 to 118. At the right point, the people would respond waving palm branches toward the altar and singing, Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. That's from Psalm 118, verse 25. On the evening of the second day of the tabernacle's feast was the temple lighting ceremony. People would crowd into the court of the women In the center of the court stood four huge menorahs to light the courtyard. The wicks for these menorahs were old priest garments. Members of the Sanhedrin performed torch dances while people watched and walked with their oil lamps. And because the temple was elevated up on the hill, the light could be seen for many, many miles in all directions. So it was one of those kind of fantastic things. You know, like every year they have the Christmas tree lighting at at, uh, Washington for the White House and stuff, you know, or, and various places that have these big, huge trees. Lamore, for example. I put Lemoore right there with the White House. I mean, you know, it's a little bit more local and rural, but it's, it's, it's the same excitement. And uh, anyway, uh, so this would be a, a fantastic lighting ceremony that they would have. Later in that evening, the Levitical choir would assemble in the court of Israelites and proceed through another gate, At the top of the stairs, they would begin to sing Psalms 120 to 134, one psalm for each of the 15 stairs. The sound of music would then proceed from trumpets, stringed instruments, harps, and flutes as the Levites sang. And so this was a very joyous uh, kind of a feast uh, uh, filled with music and rejoicing, uh, unlike some of the others. Celebration was repeated each night for the next six nights. And this was done as a prelude to the water libation ceremony in the morning. The Talmud comments on the joy of this event by saying, he that hath not beheld the joy of the drawing of the water hath never seen joy in his life. And so this was like a a real major kind of thing for the Jews each year. The last day of the feast was the greatest day of the feast. On that day, the priests would blast their trumpets 21 times. When the water was poured, three sets of seven blasts. Kind of like a 21-gun salute, only with trumpets. On this day, the priests would also make seven circles around the great altar. As they circled the altar, they said, Psalm 118.25, and the people raised palm branches. This is known as the Hoshana Rabbah or the great Hosanna. Now, the Gospels record that Jesus not only celebrated tabernacles, he took traditional elements of that feast and applied them to his own life and mission. We find this particularly in John 7 and 8, where Jesus uses two traditional symbols from the Feast of Tabernacles, the water and the light, to help the people understand who He is and what He offers. The light from the menorah was to remind the people of how God's Shekinah had once filled His temple. But in the person of Jesus, God's glory was again present at the temple. And so he used that celebration to announce that very fact. He was teaching in the court of women just after the feast, perhaps standing right next to those magnificent candelabras, when he declared to all who were gathered there, this is John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so Jesus making application of that celebration during that feast to himself. He says, I, I'm the light. Uh, th- this is a symbol, this is a type, this is a shadow of, of the reality of who I am and what I am doing. He also stood in the temple and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And so the uh, pouring out of the water, the whole thing with the water, he applied that to himself as well. The seven feasts taken together, as we've been talking about, are a prophetic calendar. The first four, the spring feasts, they've already been precisely fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus Christ. The last three, the fall feasts, predict the second coming of Jesus to dwell with men upon the earth. One researcher said So God was setting up fixed times during the year when the nation of Israel would be called out to gather together every year to rehearse future coming events. And so these were these festivals they were standalone but they spoke of something to come up until the first coming of Jesus and they were rehearsals for his comings, his first coming and his second coming. Feast of Tabernacles looks forward to Jesus establishing the kingdom of heaven on earth at his second coming. During this period Jesus will rule over the nation He will tabernacle with his creation. He will rule from the temple in Jerusalem. Israel will become the chief nation on the earth as promised in Deuteronomy chapter 28. We call it the millennium because Revelation 20 describes it as lasting 1,000 years. We take that to be literal. I see no reason in the text to believe that it's figurative of a long period of time or a glorious period of time. Uh, the writer there, uh, John, goes to great lengths in Revelation 20 to mention 1,000 years over and over and over again. And so uh, it's the millennium, milli, annum, thousand years in Latin. It's a period of rest and fellowship, and that is what is foreshadowed and pictured in the Feast of Tabernacles, that God will once again dwell uh, among men in Jerusalem. Sometime after the resurrection and rapture of the church, the great tribulation will begin. At its end, on what would be the Feast of Trumpets, Jesus will return, Jews will receive him as their Messiah, he will dwell among them, uh, and then he will fulfill the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles. And so, interestingly too, there's, I've mentioned this before, but there's a foreshadowing of God tabernacling with men on the earth in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, if you're wondering, is this just something we believe because we're pre-tribulation, premillennial? millennial that uh, the Feast of Tabernacles is about the second coming of Jesus and the kingdom, uh, this is what Jews believed as well because there in the Gospel of Matthew, Peter, James, and John accompany the Lord up a mountain. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration because of what happened there. They accompanied Jesus up the mountain while they were there. They see Jesus transfigured. He, he, his glory that was hidden by his humanity, his deity shines forth for a time and they see him in his glory. And they see Moses and Elijah with him. And the three of them are having a talk, a little strategy session about the last days. And they're talking and then what did Peter want to do? He said, Lord, it is good that we are here If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. In other words, he was wanting to build three tabernacles for those guys uh, because he felt like it was the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles and that Jesus had finally revealed himself and was going to reveal himself to the world. And, uh, And you know what? That's what I would think too. If I saw a really shiny Jesus with Moses and Elijah, I mean, that would be a a tip-off that something big is happening. People usually criticize Peter for opening up his mouth and sticking his foot in it. He didn't know what to say, so he said this. Uh, Really, you know, Peter has his faults, but I think he's pretty right on in this case. I mean, he understood that this was a sign that God was going to dwell among men and that Uh, heavenly beings uh, like Moses and Elijah were going to dwell with human beings on the earth. And so it's a dead giveaway that this is the proper interpretation of the Feast of Tabernacles. So the Lord is coming for His church. His calendar for Israel will continue. He's going to fulfill these final feasts just as He fulfilled the first ones. And so we together say, even so... Lord Jesus amen